In today's show, we're looking back at the 2020-2021 season for the Los Angeles Lakers. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd. I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. As I said today, we are here to talk about those Los Angeles Lakers and what happened during their season. So, hey, let's talk about them right now. Um, 42 and 30. Obviously, a disappointing end result going out in the first round to the Phoenix Suns as the seventh seed. You're narrowly getting through that first playing game against the Warriors. But of course, they were absolutely rolling before injuries to LeBron James and Anthony Davis derailed their season. But that's the peril. And I think there's a parallel between that and also when we look at uh, fantasy teams, especially when you're in an auction draft and if you're looking at a stars and scrub mentality, it's all well and good to have LeBron and Anthony Davis who before the season, you'd say they're two of the top five players in basketball. But if they go down, you're screwed. Like you just got nobody there who's able to to pick up that uh, that slack, and then it's all well and good to say, well, you need those stars in the playoffs. But if you're in a situation when they're not healthy in the playoffs, they're not fully right, and the rest of your team struggled, and you're in a situation against a better team, and you're on the road, it makes it harder. And that is again one of those drawbacks of building a team that way. And LeBron at age 36, and Anthony Davis with his myriad injury concerns, it's always going to be that risk, and it obviously bit them in the ass this season as they go out in the first round of the playoffs at the 24th best offense, which is really inexcusable having Davis, having LeBron. But again, the pieces around them, just not particularly good. I hated the moves they made in the off season with Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell. And we saw how, just how ineffective those guys were in the playoffs. I hated the move of Drummond. We saw how ineffective he was in the playoffs, just moves that because they've got name value and individually, they put up numbers in situations that are tailored perfectly to them. doesn't mean they're going to work on a team with, uh, with LeBron and with Anthony Davis. And we saw that clearly was the case. Now, all credit to the Lakers. They finished with the best defense in the NBA. I don't really know how they did it, to be fair. Anthony Davis missing so much time and playing guys like Harrell. That is a real Vogel masterpiece and getting so many guys to buy in and play at a, at a really high level. Um, but yeah, that offense needs work. 16th in pace. They have one pick in this upcoming draft, a first rounder. The Their first rounder, pick number 22. Who knows what they decide to do in terms of this offseason and, and moves they want to make, but they are in a, uh, a relatively precarious position, I guess, in terms of decisions that need to be made. Bunch of guys that are free agents. Dennis Schroeder, Wes Matthews, Alex Caruso, Jared Dudley, Ben McLemore, Markeith Morris, Andre Drummond. They're all unrestricted free agents. Schroeder apparently turned down that $20 million a year extension offer. There is no team that should be even getting close to offering him that much money. 
If they do, they deserve to be a terrible franchise. Um, I don't know whether he comes back to the Lakers, but he obviously didn't work out particularly well in the playoffs. Wes Matthews, you know, he's old. He's the 34-35. He's not a huge piece. Now, Caruso's a guy that I think they do need to bring back. Um, Dudley McLemore, not really much interest in those guys. Markeith Morris and Andre Drummond. It does appear like they're going to bring Andre Drummond back. I wouldn't have thought that that... Um, pairing with him and Davis and LeBron went particularly well. And he's not that good, but just depends on how much you need to spend on Drummond to bring back. Maybe it is a tenable scenario, but he's not going to be the guy that when he was in Detroit or when he was in Cleveland and he was getting just a unfathomable usage uh, that he could be a real fantasy beast. I, I think those days are over for Andre Drummond and I would not be signing him if I was an NBA general manager to be a starter. Montrez Harrell has a player option. Now, given how poorly he played this season, I think there is a you know, the market for him is going to be low, but there's also the fact that he I think he hated playing for the Lakers and hated what happened there. So maybe he just wants to get out. I think it's probably a better than 50% chance that he declines that option and is gone, but we don't know. And then the other interesting one there is Talon Horton Tucker is a restricted free agent. Teams will be coming after Horton Tucker, and if he gets a big uh, offer sheet, the Lakers won't really be in position to match that. Now, he is going to be somewhat limited in terms of offer sheets he can receive just because of, uh, I think it's the Joshie Richardson rule, just only being in the league for a couple of years. But... Um, it's going to be intriguing what the Lakers do. So there's a lot of questions they have. The Schroeder one, the Morris, Drummond, Caruso, Horton, Tucker, and Harrell's player option are all key decisions that need to be made by the Lakers for this uh, for this upcoming offseason. But we're going to talk about Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. You know, the Lakers are out of the playoffs, but... Who is the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week? Uh, let's let's go with uh, let's go with LeBron James because why not? LeBron is always in people's heads. He's always in people's discussions, and uh, yeah, I believe that he is going to be declining uh, or he is declining a spot in the U.S. Olympic team. So he's definitely in the news. Does LeBron deserve or does he have the right to decline Olympic performance? Absolutely, he does. I, if I was him, I wouldn't want to be going over to that scenario. But you know, when LeBron does play and when he does play for Team USA, he brings joy. He brings happiness. He makes the US basically unbeatable. And like Michelob Ultra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And for LeBron, I guess it's just not worth it for him to go and enjoy the Olympics. Only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It is the whole game. Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is LeBron James. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want you to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money Debit Card, that's a mouthful, you can win daily Instant Karma Purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000 redos. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And from uh, when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money progress starts here. So right now, go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning Instant Karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Inc. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Okay. 
Now it's time for us to talk about the individual players on this Los Angeles Lakers team. They are players that I'm sure they wish they were in the playoffs. And our NBA playoffs coverage right across the NBA, Locked On NBA Network is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. The 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. First player we're going to talk about has to be LeBron, who obviously suffered a significant injury for pretty much the first time in his career. Wasn't to say that he was bad because he was still pretty good. He only played 45 games, 33 minutes. He averaged 47 fantasy points, which was eighth on a per-game basis. He was 20th in category leagues, even though he was drafted at number 11. I guess that sort of splits the category and points league drafts. His best category were his assists where he averaged 25, uh, 7.7 rebounds and 7.8 assists with one steal. He shot 50 from the field, but of course the issue there is the 69.8 free throws. That's a big negative, but you know, you're punting free throws. He moves from the 20th best player into a significantly higher range. So he still can be that end of first round guy, but I think people have to look at this with LeBron. He's 36. He's going to be 37 next season. Um, so you know, we look at this and we say, you know, people will be like, I'm avoiding LeBron. He's just, we never know. He's just going to rest games. He's going to get hurt. So the narrative changes so quickly. LeBron never gets hurt, guys. That was the original narrative, and now he's always hurt. And I guess that's you know, two out of the last three seasons, he's missed significant chunks of time, 18, 19 with the groin injury, and now this year with the ankle injury. And it's going to continually happen for LeBron. Now, the you know, oh, he's going to sit all back-to-backs. That narrative, which was pushed before the season, was clearly bullshit. Oh, LeBron, mate, he's going to sit out the first month of the season. LeBron, he went so far in the bubble that he's just not going to play now. He's going to take this time off. That is just not what happened, and it just was never going to happen. And I don't think it's going to happen moving forward. But he is more prone to injuries now that he is older. But I'm not avoiding him just because he hurt his ankle with a big injury. That that doesn't mean that that will happen again. He is probably more likely, given his age, to suffer injuries. And the minutes have come down from 38 to 37 to 35 to 34 and a half to under 34 this year. That is a trend that is worth mentioning and is worth uh, monitoring here for LeBron James. Let's have a look at some of his other numbers here. Again, we're looking at this uh, thanks to Basketball Index, these numbers. We know what he's good at. We know that he's a great finisher. We know that he did improve his shooting numbers this season, LeBron. Um, he was at 37% from three, a true shooting of 60%, which is the highest in the last three seasons. Uh, we know he's an elite playmaker. We know he's a good post player as well. Putting up some really, really strong numbers as per usual. He is LeBron James. Like that's just you know who LeBron is. And look at all these advanced metrics. The only thing where he is less than a grade A is on his defensive Raptor, where he was listed in the 59th percentile at plus 0.3. Everything else, it's just A's right across the board. Like massive, massive numbers. We know here, you know, on a per 75 per possessions player productivity, you know, high points and threes and rebounds and assists. His steals and blocks aren't particularly great. We know that. That's never been a huge strength of his. Really good efficiency numbers. Offensively, there are a couple of things not quite as, as good there. His transition numbers are down. His pick and roll uh, pick and roll roll man, he's never really going to be involved in that sort of play all that often though. But his isolation number is really low, 57th percentile. And again, I think that some of that is age, although LeBron's game has never been as this elite um, uh, ISO type scorer. But you get a, a picture. We know who LeBron is. But at this age, you know, in terms of dynasty leagues, you're not investing a top 30 pick in him. He might have two years left. And you would imagine that the minutes do start to trend down. Uh, two years left of being an elite player is, is more what I meant there. Maybe even one year left. Um, but again, if we're punting free throws, that rank 20 that LeBron was at this year, yeah, that could very, very easily um, 
yeah, that, that could very easily transition down into uh, you know top 10, top 12 type numbers. And yeah, if you look at what LeBron did this season, 25, 8, and 8, is that outrageous to think that he does it next year? I, I, I don't. I don't really think it's outrageous at all to think LeBron James can uh, perform at that level. All right, let's move on now to the next player, and that is, of course, Big Anthony Davis. It was without any qualification at all, a disappointing season from Anthony Davis. I don't think anybody could argue any different. He played 36 games with that calf slash Achilles problem. He played 32 minutes a night, which was down from the 34 he played the year before. He averaged just 21 points per game, almost 22. Eight rebounds, three assists, 1.6 blocks, 1.3 steals, 49 and 74. He was 23rd in points per game, fantasy points per game, 43 a game. And he was 31st in category leagues with his ADP being at three. Just some horrible drops. And this is not just because of injuries. His uh, field goal percentage went from 50 to 48. His free throws absolutely inexplicably went from 85 to 76. There's a big drop in value. His blocks, which have literally been at two or over for the last seven seasons, went to 1.6. His rebounds, which have been 10 or over, apart from last year, for seven straight seasons. This, in fact, was his worst rebounding season of his career, including his rookie year. He was at 7.9. Last year, he was at 9.3. And previously, he was 12, 11, 12, 10. Like, they dropped way off. He hit 1.23s per game this year. This year, 0.7 because he hit him at 25%. 21 points. Like, true shooting from 61, and it's been at 61, 60, and 61 the last three years, 55 this season. Like, just horrendous, horrendous changes in production from Anthony Davis. And some of it is injury. Some of it was just a, a weird situation. Some of it was just he played poorly. Simple as that. He just did not play well. His um his numbers, his usage was not that different. Twenty nine down to twenty eight point three. It's not a huge drop. He you know, played minutes, which did drop a little bit, and think some of that's injury prevention. And we we do have to be concerned about games played. Now he had a couple of stretch a stretch there: sixteen, seventeen, seventeen, eighteen, where he played seventy five games. Then 56, 56 was that year in New Orleans where he sat out the end of the year to get traded. And then 62 in the uh, in the bubble year last year, which is not not a bad number. But only the 34 games this season is, or th- was it, yeah, 30, sorry, 35, 36 games this season is not an ideal number. We have to be somewhat concerned of that ongoing calf Achilles issue. But I, what I do think is this per game rank of 31st is... Not what I expect. I don't expect his blocks to be this low, his field goals to be this low, his three-point percentage to be this low, his free throw percentage to be this low. I don't expect um, his three-pointers to be this low. I think his rebounds can go up. I think that nearly everything that Anthony Davis did this year, while we have a right and we absolutely should be concerned about games missed through injury, the per-minute and per-game stuff absolutely, I believe, um, has every chance to improve. There's no reason that Anthony Davis's blocks, rebounds, shooting numbers should all be at career lows like they were this year. They shouldn't be at that same level again next season. Advanced numbers still really liked him. Like 97th percentile in LeBron, 88th in RPM, 93rd in Raptor, 82nd in luck-adjusted RAPM, 96th in box score plus minus 2.0. Like everything loved him. A couple of defensive, um, or sorry, uh, offensive RPM didn't like him as much, and his uh, luck-adjusted RPM didn't like his defense as much, but he was still a really, really good player. 
and be this huge dip in his you know, true shooting down to 55.6 and effective field goals way down. His um, yeah, spot-up shooting numbers just horrendous. 0.8 points per possession is really bad. Um, his isolation numbers really bad as well. I, I don't really see Anthony Davis being that bad of a player. The injury concern, sure, but he is going to slide in drafts. Um, if he is available at the end of the third or middle of the third round, which I do believe he will be, I'll take that risk because if it hits, he's a top five to seven player on a per-game basis, and there's he could stay healthy. There's a real chance that he stays healthy. He'll miss 10 games, seven games, nine games. He'll miss that. So will almost every other player. Yeah, expecting 20 games missed, I, I reckon you might end up just missing out on a little bit if you do take that risk with uh, or, or do avoid Anthony Davis completely because he's not going to be a first-round pick, I guarantee. And I would not take him in the first round, even though per game he can return that value. Second round, I'm probably going to be in on it. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, NBA playoffs, they're all in full swing. And you can track all of that action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, the NHL, and all of your UFC, MMA action. Before that next tip, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the championship. Head to the website, use your mobile device, and use our promo code Locked On to Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online are your online sportsbook experts. With ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you'll need. Why would you endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? Who knows that? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are always reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go and explore the easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Okay, um, time for us to move on to the uh, to the next player, and that is your mate, the big avocado, Andre Drummond. Um, now to say that I've been critical of Andre Drummond during the season, I'd say is an understatement and that is not being critical of Andre Drummond, the bloke at all. I think he has an outsized opinion of his offensive capabilities, but having confidence is fine. He played just 46 games, 27 minutes a night after Cleveland sat him down because they were trying to trade him. He averaged 37 fantasy points, which was much higher when he was in Cleveland. He was 81st in category leagues, much higher when he was in Cleveland. He was enrolling as like a top 20 guy because they were giving him like 30% usage, which is an absolutely foolish decision. Now, whether they were giving that to him, which I'm not sure that that's the case, or he was giving him that himself, which is just a horrendous decision on his behalf, um, I don't know. But let's get one thing clear. Andre Drummond is not a good basketball player at this point. He is... Actually, okay, let, let, let me rephrase that because people get on you. She's better than you. Um, he is a very, very good basketball player. He is not a very good NBA basketball player. He can be an okay rotation player, but as we've seen like in the playoffs, it doesn't hold up. On a good team, it doesn't hold up. 
He does not know his role. He does not know his place. His defense sucks. He is an elite rebounder. He is quite good with his hands and steals in passing lens, and he's not a terrible passer. But there is a lot of decision-making and IQ, basketball IQ stuff, which is just completely off. In those 27 minutes, he averaged 15 and 12. But Josh, he's a walking double-double. Sure. He averaged 1.4 steals. He averaged 1.1 blocks. He shot 49%, which is a big man who has no perimeter game is horrendous. He shot 60% from the line for a true shooting of 52%. Again, absolutely shitful. These are shitful numbers. We know what he is. He's a great rebounder. He gets good steals. He scores at a weirdly low efficiency, but high usage. Usage, 27%. Again, embarrassing. He should not be that high. Um, But now, like, I know that I've been preaching this for a long time, but he was completely exposed this season. And I think I would hope that NBA GMs, NBA players that campaign, man, we've got to get Andre Drummond. He's got to come and start. We love him. Look at those numbers. The big avocado. He's a great rebounder. He's a defensive player of the year. Uh, No. Um, All those things, hopefully they've gone by the wayside and we realize what he is. A guy that can come in and play 18 minutes, 20 minutes as a backup, maybe as a starter, but you just get him. Don't put the ball in his hands. Get him out of the way and let the other players who are good do do some things because he isn't. Um, you know, it is it is frustrating to watch him play. Again, elite rebounder, elite rebounder. He he gets shots at the rims. He doesn't necessarily hit them that well. Um, and yeah, his ability to get steals is a real positive. But yeah, I'm struggling to find other positives. Look at this offensive LeBron metric: 25, 25th percentile, negative one point two. Like that's really poor. His real plus minus hated him: forty third percentile overall. Raptor wasn't quite as harsh. He was in the 69th percentile there. Giggity. Um, he's just not particularly good. His offensive stuff is rough. Look at these Fs and Ds in his yeah, scoring ability. But again, an elite rebounder, elite fantasy point producer, really good scorer given that outsized usage. Block's not bad. Steal's really good. An inordinate amount of turnovers for a big man. Um, he just does not know how to play within the constructs of the current NBA. And that's a real problem. Andre Drummond had been, the last three seasons, 21st, 21st, and 16th in terms of category rankings, and that's not even in, in, in a punt free throw thing. So like a, a top 10 player in a punt free throw build. He played 33 minutes a night. His usage this year was the highest of his career, which is mind-boggling. Now, with the Lakers, it was much lower. He got down to 20 usage, and that's really where he should stay. And in that time, he was like the 116th ranked player. You know, punt free throws, you move into top 70, top 80, and that's really the area where you've got to look at him uh, as a contributor, as that bench guy who, if he gets 23 minutes, 22 minutes, he can be a useful back-end fantasy player. But his time in that top 20, uh, there is no team that will be giving him that level of playing time. Look, I think his efficiency can rise. And with the Lakers, it did. 55, 54% playing for the Lakers from the field. Like that, that's because he took smarter shots. But obviously, the the minutes dropped and the usage dropped, and that balanced him out to be that like ninth or tenth round type player. And I do think that's probably where his value is going to lie as we um as we move forward. He's not as bad as the memes would suggest about him, but he's also not as good as the counting stats would suggest about him. Also, so it is getting that balance somewhere in the middle. Let's talk about Dennis Schroeder, another player who I think is significantly worse than what his counting stats put up or, or, or would uh, indicate to you. 
Uh, Schroeder played 61 games, 32 minutes as the starting point guard. He averaged 30 fantasy points, 87th there. 100th in category leagues with an ADP of 112th. So you say if you got him at 112, it was a real win. But when LeBron was healthy, he was not a rosterable player, really. It took LeBron going down for him to get the ball back into his hands to to do some things which are interesting. And even still, he played. He scored 15 points per game with only under six assists, 1.1 steals. He shot just 44% from the field, 85 from the line. He was exposed as a player who can't do anything in a situation where he needs to be relied upon in the playoffs. At best, he is a backup guard. Look, you look at, this is going to sound wild, but look at Reggie Jackson, what he's doing now. Is Reggie Jackson a better player than Dennis Schroeder? And I feel like maybe he is. Yeah, if he was to go, you know, there are teams that need point guards for sure. Like at the moment, the Celtics are crying out for one, but does Schroeder fit next to Tatum Brown smart? Smart is, is actually should be their point guard, and that's what they should be prioritizing. But do I see Schroeder as going to a team and playing 32 minutes a night next season? I don't think that's a particularly wise decision for a team to rely upon him to do that. Again, I, I just I don't think that he is that good. He put up some good numbers. He's um, yeah, he's a decent driver. He's an okay playmaker. He's not a terrible finisher, um, but again, he's not he's not particularly good. You finish at the rim at 51%. He gets there okay, but you know, 51% is quite a poor number. 54 true shooting, 33 from three. Last year, he was quite a good three-point shooter, but overall, I, I don't trust his three-point shooting. That last season at, at, for the Thunder, that was the only year he's been good as a three-point shooter, so I don't trust that. He's never been a great, great steals guy. They were okay hit this season, his steals. Um, but I just, I know, I just don't see him as a guy that we want to uh, rely upon as a uh, as a solid player moving forward. You know, the advanced metrics didn't, they, they, he wasn't terrible, but they didn't particularly love him. He's LeBron right on the 50th percentile. His EPM was at 68th percentile. So he's sort of in that area. And if we look here in his per 75 player productivity, the only category that really stands out is his assist. And even that, it's not particularly good. His scoring's all right. Not a good rebounder, not a high volume three-point guy, not a steals guy, not a blocks guy. Again, bad rebounder, as I said. He's just, I, I he, where he ends up, I don't know. I would not, you know, if he finds himself in a role where he has to be the starter and that usage goes up, then sure, he's going to be a draftable guy. 22 usage this year. That, that could spike to 26 because he thinks he's better than he is and some teams think he's better than he is. But ideally, his role is not as a 32-minute-a-night player, um, and it's not as a 27% usage player. He's not a, he's not the greatest passer. Um, so I think there has to be some concern about what his future is uh, in terms of you know, fantasy value as we move forward. Let's now talk about another guy who was you know, overrated to be the sixth man of the year. The last Didn't say he didn't have a great year, but he's definitely overrated. Um, and that is the table, Montrez Harrell. 69 games, 23 minutes a game. Again, I hated the signing and I wasn't at all interested in drafting him. He averaged 26 fantasy points. He was 141st in category leagues, 123rd in points leagues. His ADP was 94, which is absolutely one to avoid and and for obviously good reasons. His field goal percentage was still really good. And he did play better this season defensively. And again, that's a a Vogel thing and uh, Harold gets credit for it as well. 
He did play better defensively this year than I think he has in the past, but he just has too many limitations to me to be considered someone that you want to bring in to be a a 30-minute-a-night center. Now, we know the name that's always going to be out there is Charlotte because they just desperately need a center. I would much rather they just develop PJ Washington to do that or, or try and go after Rashawn Holmes to be that uh, to be that starting center for them. Harold, to me, just isn't the answer to that question that you want answered. Who can be my 30-minute-a-night center? Would he put up okay counting stats? Yeah, he's a massive usage, hustle, really good field goal, really good scoring guy who is not a bad rebounder but not a great shot blocker, bad passer, not threes, bad free throws. There are a lot of downsides to his overall um, fantasy game, but he is someone who who can go out there and put up some really good hustle stats. Um, he's a really good roller, uh, and I think he'd be pretty interesting next to Lamelo Ball in Charlotte if that was the case. But where he goes is going to be really key in terms of what happens over the course of the season. So he played, you know, six fewer minutes per game this season. His usage did drop from 24 to 21, all relatively predictable given the team that he was on. Rebound numbers, block numbers, they all fell, but he was able to up his efficiency. And the free throws at 71, not as bad as they've been in the past. And, and that did yeah, help his impact. But Last two years, he was top 100 for the Clippers, and he fell well, well out this year. I would not be considering him as someone who uh, who would jump back into my top 100 consideration as we move forward. Now, the advanced numbers didn't hate him. His Raptor was pretty strong. He was actually a really big positive defensively there. LeBron, he was pretty positive there. And someone asked me, or multiple people, can I do a show explaining what the advanced metrics are? I will do that. I will do that. But if you just go onto the site, LeBron is a basketball index metric. You can get the description there. Real plus minus is from, EP, uh, from ESPN. Raptor is from 538. Uh, box score plus minus from basketball reference. You can go on and get explanations uh, from, from what those stats are and how they work on, on those sites without me getting too much into it here. Interestingly, um, look at LeBron from Montrez Harrell. He was a plus 0.6, which is 77th percentile. Uh, in Raptor, he was a plus 1.982nd percentile. RPM, he was 13th percentile. Now, Raptor and LeBron, they use a little bit more in terms of tracking data, so I find them a little bit more reliable. And that's a real positive for Harold, but I still, you know, we saw how badly he played during the playoffs and down the stretch where he was getting benched for Drummond and Gasol. Like, he just wasn't a part of the rotation at times. Uh, and that obviously has to be a, uh, a level of concern for him and for teams that are looking to acquire him uh, in, in the future. Um, all right, let's move on to the next player, and that is the future MVP, Kyle Kuzma. Now, again, my takes on Kuzma are looking pretty prescient now after I said in his rookie season that, hey, this dude is uh, significantly overrated. Nah, Josh, he's going to be a star. And the future MVP nickname, which I've explained in many shows before, is a piss take of the people who were talking him up after Summer League and preseason of how good he was going to be. And now we have seen where Kyle Kuzma sits in the NBA landscape. He, he's not particularly good. He is 26 years of age. He played 68 games, 29 minutes a game. Um... Average 25 fantasy points per game. He's 155th in category leagues. That's that's close to one of his best seasons. Uh, he has he's never been a top 100 guy. Actually, that, no, it's not. He was like 110th in one year too. I just you don't want to be relying upon Kuzma to even be playing 29 minutes. I don't think his best category, amazingly, is it as a three point shooter. He, this is the problem with him, right? He's not a guy you want to rely upon for high usage. He's a poor field goal, poor free throw, poor re, uh, poor steals, poor assists, poor blocks player who hits threes and does it. You know, 36% is okay, but shit, how, like how much do you want to rely upon that? With Anthony Davis there, it obviously caps him. Now, if Davis moves on, 
no, shit, let me try again. If Davis is hurt for a, an extended period of time, then Kuzma will push into a larger role and he will be maybe the 90th best player. But would you ever draft a guy or go, well, I know Davis is going to miss 50 games, which is, again, a bullshit theory because Davis doesn't miss 50 games every year. Uh, therefore, Kuzma will have that value. You add him when it happens and then you drop him when it doesn't happen because he's not going to be this guy to force his way into larger roles because of how good he is and you know, all these improvements that he's made. And he did make improvements. There is no doubting that he has become a better a better player defensively, knowing his role a little bit more. Usage dropped way off this season as well, down at just 20%. Um, yeah, but he's not particularly good. He is a guy that's improved his... Um, uh, perimeter shooting for sure. His uh, passing is a long way to go. His defense has a long way to go as well. He's you know, turned into somewhat of a damaging three-point shooter when he gets hot, but he is quite streaky uh, with that skill. The advanced metrics, that Raptor hated him. LeBron hated him. 23rd and 29th percentile. And again, that's a lot of tracking data and on-off stuff incorporated there. Did not like him as a player at all. Same as luck-adjusted RAPM. He was way down the bottom. Now, I don't think he's necessarily that bad. But yeah, a really poor true shooting as well, under 55%. Look at these per 75 numbers up here. Steals low, blocks not particularly good. Assists low, not a great rebounder. Hits his threes all right, but he scores okay. Like he's not, he just isn't good. I think we're all well aware that Kyle Kuzma isn't that good at this point. But yeah, sometimes it just does bear repeating. Let's talk about Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, who I do think is never going to be a great fantasy player. He goes on hot streaks, and he had one of those hot streaks to begin this season where he was shooting like 46% from three for a big stretch of time. 28 minutes a game, almost 19 fantasy points. Didn't crack the top 200 in fantasy points this year. He was 176th in category leagues, and in large part because his free throws were so good, but he averaged under 10 points. He hit two threes at 41%, but he gets no rebounds under three, no assists under two, for a good defender, he gets no steals, 0 0.9, 0 0.9, 0.4 steals. He just isn't a guy that can generate stats at a high level. He, he just he just isn't. I think that's just simply who he is at this point. He's a guy that can be intangibly pretty strong on the court in terms of his defensive value. But you know, translating that into good fantasy numbers on this team, like he could very well be on a different team next season. I don't think that's uh, an outrageous statement that he gets traded. I know the clutch connections, but clutch can't be happy with how things worked out this year. What he is, he's a good hustle player. He's a good uh, guy getting open three-point shots. Um, yeah, perimeter defensive stuff, really, really good. He's relatively reliable. He knows his role. He knows what shots he should take, but he's not a guy that's really scalable in terms of, we need you to do more KCP. He's not really a guy that has that ability to do that. The advanced stuff, again, sort of middle of the pack, 64th percentile Raptor, 54th LeBron. LeBron hated his offense, actually. 19th percentile there is pretty poor. But you look at RPM, they loved him on defense, 96th percentile. And he is a really good defender. And he is one of the key pieces as to why the Lakers' defense was as good as it was. Now, LeBron stepped up his defense at a massive level this year as well. You know, Schroeder made some improvements there. Not, still not particularly good. Um, and Kuzma made some improvements. Gasol's still a pretty good defender. But more just the scheme and yeah, putting players in the right position was how a lot of that went down this year for the Los Angeles Lakers. Let us talk about Mark Gasol. Oh, hi, Mark. We didn't even know whether Gasol was going to play in the NBA this year. There was some thought that he would just stay in Europe due to COVID, play for Barcelona with his brother. That didn't eventuate. He's 36 years of age now. 
He played 19 minutes a game. He averaged five and four with one block, one three. Had a true shooting, which was a not great of what was it? 50, oh, sorry, I, my mistake. 61% true shooting is actually an excellent number for Marcus Sol. And again, I, I, I do think that some of the Lakers' downfall was playing guys like Harrell and Drummond ahead of him. He had a 1.5 EPM. He was 96 percentile in defensive EPM. True shooting was really good. He finished at the rim at a high level. His passing was pretty solid, even though he didn't really get the ball in his hands very much. I thought that he was impressive. Now, he's not going to be a fantasy start at all. 17 fantasy points outside the top 200 for category leagues. He blocks shots. He plays good defense. He's an excellent communicator, and he knows what he needs to do which again is one of those things that players do come unstuck with is not filling the role they need to. But a really good contester. He hits threes at a really good level. He's a great passer. He's a very, very solid uh, defensive player as well. And he's just able to get out there and be good at what he does. Yeah, much better defender than Drummond, much better defender than Harrell, much better passer, much better shooter. And he, I think he fits perfectly with those guys. And it did take a while for them to decide to put him back into the rotation. And, and he was pretty pissed, I think, with the way the Lakers handled things. And rightfully so, because he knows he's better than some of those other shit players who were getting minutes ahead of him. Um, LeBron loved him, 88th percentile. Raptor, 76th percentile. Um, uh, box score plus minus, 87th percentile. And some of the others didn't love him as much. RPM, which again, I'm losing a little bit of faith in RPM with some of the numbers. I'm not as convinced with that. I'm more focusing on Raptor and LeBron as the two ones that I focus more on. Um, but they hated his offense, RPM did. But yeah, luck adjusted RAPM had him 77th percentile. He's again true shooting in the 88th percentile. Spot up work, pick, pick and roll roll work, 95th and 96th percentile. Really good numbers there. Decent on putbacks. Now he's never going to be used in isolation. He's not a post player and he sucked in those areas. But overall, his offensive efficiency was good. And I thought his defensive stuff was pretty solid, despite some of the, uh, you know, oh, Le- oh, kind of Gasol out there, Drummond, huge upgrade. Wrong. It was wrong before Drummond came to the Lakers. It was clearly wrong after Drummond was in. I don't think there'd be too many. I'm not saying Gasol is excellent and they can't afford to upgrade there because they can. Well, they should. But yeah, to say that Drummond and Harrell are much better options than uh, Gasol is uh, foolish, in my opinion. Let's talk about this bloke, Taylor Horton Tucker. And again, just another reminder of just being aware of um, Lakers preseason hype. 20 minutes a game for Horton Tucker, 65 games. He averaged 18 and a half fantasy points. He was 231st in category leagues. He showed plenty of flashes. But there were people, look at Horton Tucker in, in the preseason. I'm drafting him with my 10th pick, my 11th pick. He's definitely a flyer. And my constant thing, you can go back and look at my preseason videos and talk, talking about him. I said, hey, he's doing well, but how the hell is he getting 30 minutes and on this team? And to me, the answer was, there's no way. Unless they take Kuzma out of the rotation, they don't play KCP. You know, Matthews, are they going to bring him in and just not play him? In the end, they didn't play Matthews. Are they going to take Caruso out? The answer to all those questions was obviously a clear no. But when a, a guy that plays for the Lakers, shout out Kyle Kuzma, goes out there and puts up big numbers in preseason, people lose their minds. This is not to say Horton Tucker can't be good. Like the guy is 20. I think he's going to be a really solid player. Is he going to be awesome? I don't know about that, but I know he's got plenty of room to improve from where he was this season, like plenty of room. But again, it's a real lesson in just watch what's happening in preseason and look at the context behind it. He shot 28% from three, like that has to improve. 58% at the rim, true shooting of 54%. He averaged nine, two, and three 
with 0.63s in one steal. Good at getting steals. He improved his free throws a ton. Like a ton. He was able to improve a lot this year. And again, he's only 20. There is going to be a role coming for him, a bigger role over the next two to three years, for sure. An absolutely weird player who can bully his way to the rim, who can finish at a high level, who can defend at a super high level, and can develop into a really good passer. And I do think that there are top 100 fantasy seasons in Horton Tucker's future. Do I think it's coming next season? Well, that, I guess, depends on what team he ends up at. But the shooting is a massive, massive drawback. If you want to criticize Ben Simmons, and you absolutely can for his lack of fantasy value because of you know his, his uh, free throw percentage and his lack of threes and his low usage and his scoring, then you've got to ding Horton Tucker the same way. Now, they're obviously on different levels. But when we're going to look, hey, look how young he is and look how far he got to develop, it can all come. But the shooting is still a massive problem for him. The advanced metrics, as a young player, these are all pretty solid. His 61st percentile LeBron on, on this team is great. 61st percentile Raptor is great. Look at these assists and steal numbers over here on the uh, player productivity per 75. The scoring, 70th percentile. Like they're pretty good numbers. Offensively, as a role man, as a post-up guy, some good numbers. As a ball handler pick and roll, that's super encouraging as a 20-year-old to be 80th percentile as a pick and roll ball handler. There's a lot lot to improve there. Or is, is a lot is a great foundation. But he is very, very far from a finished product. I think most people would admit that. I'm going super long on this Lakers one, but let's go Alex Caruso, the bald eagle. Um, yeah, he's just, he's just an, an important player from a basketball perspective. 21 minutes a game, 17 fantasy points, but he's never going to be a good fantasy guy. He averaged six points with three rebounds, three assists, and 1.1 steals. He's good at steals, but his percentages were shithouse. Outside of shooting 40% from three, he hit 46 from two for an overall 44% field goal. He was 65 from the line. His true shooting was 55%. Like They are really not good numbers. Caruso is also 27 years of age. He's not particularly young. I'm not expecting huge improvements from him as we move forward. It's sort of into a little bit of a, he is who he is at this stage, but an excellent defender, a, a, a solid enough um, passer, and a guy that had some really good shooting, but he's a low usage player that I don't really see the ability for him to scale that up. He can de- he can definitely handle more minutes, and that would make him an interesting steal streamer, and maybe he could crack the top 150 just on the back of some steals and maybe two threes per game, but... Not someone I think teams want to be investing 28 minutes a night into as a um, as a player, despite some of the real positives that he had. And the real positives are shown in the advanced metrics. Raptor, 90th percentile, 89th for LeBron. Like They are huge numbers because of how good he is defensively. Even luck-adjusted RAPM gets into the mix, having a 2.4, which is 92nd percentile. These are elite numbers. Is it scalable? I don't know. Is his offense a huge detriment? Absolutely. Outside of the shooting, defensively though, he's one of those guys that you want out there as uh, as much as you can because of how impressive he can be out there. Let's talk Markeith Morris, who is an unrestricted free agent. No idea whether he will return to the um, to the Lakers. A guy that averaged. Um, let me just bring my screen up there. He averaged uh, under 20 minutes, six points, four rebounds, no steals, no blocks. That's a typical Markeith thing. No assists, poor shooting. Just a true shooting of 51%. That's just what he does you know, outside the top 300. And a guy that showed, yeah, at times he was better than Drummond and better than Montrezl Harrell. Uh, absolutely, he showed that. Whether that's something that we want to rely upon at age 31 from Morris, I would say almost definitely no, but solid enough defensive stuff. Um, solid enough defensive rebounding. 
yeah, I thought he I thought he did okay as a shot blocker as well this season, but it's just this is Markeith Morris. Like he's fallen behind his brother now. The advanced metrics did not like him at all. Um, but again, I thought he showed some some interesting defensive stuff, and in certain matchups, he was a preferred option. But offensively, I do think some of the struggles for him were were real and uh, and not imagined. Let's talk Wes Matthews quickly because another guy who is uh, relatively old at this point in his career, Matthews is about to turn 35 in a few months. He played under 20 minutes a night, and there was there were times this season where he was um, he was out of the rotation. He averaged 10 fantasy points. He's outside the top 350 in both formats. He did hit his free throws well, which is something that he's good at. And he hit, the, but the problem is, as a three-point specialist, he hit 34% of them. He didn't generate steals or blocks at a particularly high level. Um, and you, you sort of worry, look, he's never going to be able to be that guy that he was you know, way before his Achilles or even some of those years in Dallas. He just doesn't generate enough stats to do that. Still a really good defender. Um, shooting has some ability to, like he's a good volume three-point shooter, even though the uh, scoring or, or the percentage wasn't there. His usage is exactly what it needs to be in his role. But yeah, at his age, turning 35, there's not a lot to look forward to. And, and his advanced stuff doesn't really tell you huge things. Although yeah, the LeBron and the Raptor defensive metrics, they do like him. But the overall true shooting as a uh, as a 3 and D type player, you've got to be able to hit the three to be considered that. And let's talk one last player now. We're not going to go into detail on Alfonso McKinney, Devontae Kachok, Jared Dudley, or Costa Santorokounmpo. The only guy there with any value is Kachok, but he's 25 already. And I don't really... Look, he's like a worse Montrez Harrell. Let's talk Ben McLemore because a lot of people seem to think that he was going to be an answer for this team. And we've seen McLemore around for a long time. 17 minutes a game, eight points... Almost two threes, which is great. But he was a guy that I think last year was hitting about like 42%. An elite three-point shooter. He's going to carry your team. Well, that dropped back to under 35% this season. And I think we're getting more of an indication of exactly just who Ben McLemore is uh, as, as a player in this time. Um, yeah, he's a good three-point shooter. He can move pretty well without the ball. Defensively, I, I don't think he's particularly good. I think he's he can be all right. He can guard a few positions, but I, I wouldn't say that he is a particularly great defender. And I don't think there's much fantasy upside in him. And the advanced stuff really would paint a similar picture. The shooting dropped way off. True shooting of 52% is pretty rough. Those offensive metrics look pretty terrible as well. His best categories as a spot-up guy where he's 1.07 points per possession, and that's still not absolutely elite at all from... Um, from Benny McLemore. All right, that'll do it for me today. Another long show. Again, these extra stats are pushing me a little bit further. I hope you guys don't mind. But don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Guys, on YouTube, hit thumbs up. Hit subscribe down. I think it's down here. There's a little subscriber down here, a little red one down there. Flick that one. Drop your comments down below as well. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.